often when I come to church and I get a chocolate chip cookie already. So I tell what's your name, young lady? Addison. Addison, that's right. And I said, that is the thickest chocolate chip cookie I've ever seen in my life. So it is awesome. I don't know if I'm going to preach well, but I'm going to have some good cookies this afternoon. So uh, that's like four-in-one cookies. That's a, that's a, I prayed this morning, the Lord blessed me exceedingly above everything I could ever ask or think. So, and uh, how many of you were here last year when I was here? Wow, that's the majority of everybody. And uh, how many have never heard me teach or preach before? Okay, you haven't missed anything, so don't worry about it. But no, it is good, good to be back here at the church, and uh, it is always a blessing to be with Pastor Reno. And uh, it's amazing. I was just thinking about it this morning. You know, we both were in Wisconsin for, you know, however many years you were there. Of course, we were born in uh, Superior, raised in Superior, if I'm not mistaken. And we grew up basically on the opposite sides of the state. He was all the way up here, and I grew up all the way down here. But, uh, and I had to come all the way out to Washington to really meet you. And so I don't know how that worked out. You were in Racine, like 20 minutes from my house, and somehow we just never met. And, and I, I almost think, I don't know if we were talking last year about it, I almost think we, we had a, like a basketball camp at our church once, and you might have been there for that. I'm, I'm not sure. That would have been, been about 93-ish, 90, somewhere in there. Anyways, but I uh, know it has been good, the fellowship uh, with him this week. And, and uh, last year after I left here, and most of you don't realize this and, and know this, we were, my flights got all mixed up last year when I was here, and uh, they... Alaska, I think I flew Alaska or something, and they canceled my flight for the next day, and they sent me an email in the middle of church Wednesday night and said, We're, your flight has been canceled, and blah. well, my son was graduating uh, from middle school, and I was like, I cannot risk that, so I started calling around and seeing what I could do, and, and uh, my brother, who works for Delta Airlines, he said, he said well, there's a flight going out of uh, Seattle at, at uh, 12.30 and, uh, a.m., and I was like, Book it. And, uh, so the pre- I called the preacher up and I said, hey, there's a flight going out in about two hours, you know, two and a half hours. Can we get there? And he's like, all right, let's go. And so he drove me out uh, last year. And uh, but it's awesome to be able to be back. And and so I just booked that flight this year. I'm actually have that flight going back there. But it is awesome. And he he actually said, come in if I could to come in a few days early. And I'm glad the Lord worked it out. So I was able to come in on Friday and just uh, spend some time with him and, and fellowshipping and and I don't know if some of you understand that, but pastors, a lot of times, and I believe God has given me a ministry to pastors, and it's, it's nothing more, it's just, a, it's just an ear. And uh, pastor, pastors oftentimes, uh, they don't have a counselor that they can go to down the hallway or somebody they can pour their heart out to. And so uh, I believe that's one of the blessings the Lord has given me to be able to do that. And so I, I, was, I was privileged to be here for the last couple of days and just being able to talk with him and, and uh, just, as you would say, chat it up. And uh, I noticed, is that a saying out here? I don't know if we say that in Wisconsin, but it's been good to chat it up. Amen. But John chapter 15, let's just get into the lesson this morning. Thank you again, church. I thank you. You guys took more than good care of me last year when I was here. A blessing. Oftentimes I don't get to go back and because uh, nobody ever invites me back to their church again. But uh, uh, it, it is awesome that you all took care of me last year and was a blessing financially to my family. Of course, the love offering that the church here gave and your faithful uh, tithes and offerings. What a blessing it is to be able to uh, be back in a place like this. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, we're not going to turn there this morning, but the Colossians chapter 2, Paul gives his concern to the church at Colossae, and he says, uh, he says I want you to be rooted and built up in, in, in Jesus Christ. And he gives them a warning, and 
Even to the Corinthian church, he said that we'd henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of man. And, uh, and he, he warns us that we not, be not spoiled uh, by the world and, and things that are and taken advantage of really by the world. And, and there's always that warning of Paul. He said, I want you to follow Christ above everything and everyone else. And I don't know if you're warm this morning. I'm already warm, but I think I just had a cup of coffee. So I'm going to take my suit coat off. And I think I asked you last year if that was okay. Is it still okay? All right, good. And, uh, but Paul is constantly giving a warning. And I think we find the same warning in the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, he says this, I am the true vine, verse number one. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now are ye clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And by the way, that verse number three sounds very familiar uh, when it says, Second uh, Timothy chapter uh, 4 and verse number 1, he says, preach the word and be instant in season, out of season, reprove and rebuke with all longsuffering and doctrine. For it says the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He told us there was going to come a time where we're going to be turned from the truth of God unto fables. And that is the day in which we live. And it's amazing to me, some of the largest churches we, and by the way, we have more mega churches than we've ever had in the United States of America. And yet I don't believe, I believe we're farther behind in revival and evangelism and almost every other area you can count uh, in the United States of America. Well, why is that? Well, if you go to the largest churches and you find out what they're preaching, they're not preaching the word. And uh, the, the largest church in America right now, the pastor won't say sin or that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I'm thinking, if you're that mixed up, you should probably pack it in and just just declare yourself to be a motivational speaker instead of a preacher of the Word of God. But the Bible told us these times are going to come. Perilous times, he called them. They're going to come. And they're going to be turned from the truth of God. And by the way, we ought to thank God that we have a church that stands upon the Word of God. You ought to thank God that your church has a pastor that believes in preaching and teaching the Word of God. And much like my pastor, I was watching on your website a little bit some things that have been preached, and, and uh, I liked about half of it. No, but uh, and, uh, I was watching some things, and I like preachers that oftentimes will take their time through a book of the Bible. And, but I love that emphasis on the Word of God. And I think, as a matter of fact, last year when I was here, I think in Sunday school time, we, we spent some time on the Word of God and what to do with the Word of God. And but I'm just telling you, the Bible said Jesus said you're going to be cleansed through the word. That's not the really the subject of my lesson this morning. uh, But oh, how we need the cleansing of his word. The Bible said in Psalm chapter 119, he said, wherewithal. In other words, how in the world is it going to happen? Wherewithal shall it, good to see you, brother. And uh, it's teasing me about food all week. Amen. Uh, the pastor said, uh, and uh, oh my goodness, your name just went right out of my mind. Give me your name again, brother. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, he was teasing me because I said, the uh, pastor was teasing me about being keto. He's on this keto thing and, and uh, no carbs and all this. And he saw a picture of what we had on the, on the meal. And uh, he said, that doesn't look keto to me. And, uh, and, uh, or he said, that is keto because I said, I'm not doing the keto thing. And I said, well, mine had potatoes in there. So it wasn't keto at all. And, uh, but I love it. I love it. But uh, listen to me this morning. He, he said, wherewithal, in other words, how in the world is this going to get done? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. 
the hope for your family, the hope for this church, the hope for uh, the, the greater Seattle area in Puyallup, and uh, the hope for Washington State and the hope of America lies within the pages of God's holy word. And this is why you ought to be a person that reads the Bible and studies the Bible and meditates upon Scripture and get as much of it inside of you as you possibly can. And, of course, we have kids that are, that are aged, and my son is a senior in high school this year and doesn't believe he's necessarily called to full-time ministry. And, and so he, we're kind of coming up with a plan and, and to be able to stay at home and go to uh, a college there in a local technical school and some business things that he's got on his heart and in his mind. And, but the fact of the matter is he's going out into a world where they don't value the Word of God, and they don't even have values, many of them. But we have to remain anchored in the Word of God. And many of you that are going off and maybe you're, the Lord hadn't called you to ministry, you've got to be planted in the Word of God. We've got to make sure, and I find myself preaching that, uh, this subject, and I'm trying to get off of it, but I find myself so often going back to the Word of God and pointing people back to the Word of God. Because in these perilous times that we live in, your opinion does not matter. My opinion does not matter. My stories and anecdotes will do you nothing. But the word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible says it pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints of the marrow. And that is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents. The word of God will tell you some things about yourself that you didn't even realize. And uh, it's like, it's like uh, listen to... Uh, you know, uh, the, the old black lady. And uh, there's some wisdom in those old black women in the South, especially. And uh, somebody said one time, they said they heard this old black woman. She gave some of her, you know, homespun wisdom. And she said, she said, well, baby, she said, if the mountain wasn't tall, then you couldn't climb it. I thought, okay. And uh, I don't know what that means, but gotcha. And uh, one time I heard somebody, I heard what my good Southern friend say, a pretty face never cooked a biscuit, amen. I'm like, well, I happen to have a pretty face that cooks biscuits, so I don't know what that means. But we've got to be anchored in the Word of God. And the best way to be anchored in the Word of God is what Jesus is about to talk about here. Now you're clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. Watch this, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I want to talk to you about that, just being rooted in Christ this morning. Pretty straightforward message, and it seems like it's a simple message, but it's not as simple as we would probably like to believe it. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning uh, from the Holy Scriptures. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be a, just a blessing to this church this morning. I pray that you'd help us in the next uh, 25 minutes or so to focus in on the Word of God. There's a lot of things that'll be going on this afternoon and this week, and, and we'll put some emphasis, of course, on revival and some things and messages that you've already put on my heart uh, for this church and this time. I pray that you just, again, help me just to be a blessing to this church. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. I sure do need you. And these folks don't need to hear from me. They don't need Calvin Allen. They need Jesus Christ. They need the word of God. So I pray that you'd help me to be a conduit of your word this morning and help me as I preach in them as they listen, Lord. If there's any lost, pray they'd be saved. And even those that are preparing to come to church right now, Lord, I pray that you'd already be speaking to their hearts before they even get here. We'll give you honor and glory and praise for anything that happens this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One of my friends who is uh, from Canada, and they just, they're cherry farmers, or they were cherry farmers. They just, they just actually uh, sold their part of the co-op out of, um, uh, from, they basically retired, and they're traveling right now helping 
build and repair churches and different things like that in the United States and in Canada, as well as campgrounds and so forth. And uh, we've stayed at their house many a time when I preached in Canada with my quartet and with my family also. We stayed in their home, which was actually right across the street from their processing plant for their cherries. To, to understand the, the cherry business here, uh, the United States of America buys, uh, from what we know of at, at that time, at least a couple years ago when we talked about it, the United States buys 14,000 tons of cherries from Canada every year. They say, why do we do that? We have our own cherries. Well, different cherries they use for different purposes, okay? There's certain kind of cherries that make pies. There's other kind of cherries that you use for jams and preserves and all these other things and mix with other things. And there's certain kind of cherries you make juice from. And so there's all these different kinds of cherries. And as a matter of fact, the state of Wisconsin is, is known for uh, cherries as well and, and cranberries, a lot of cranberry bogs in the state of Wisconsin there. And and as a matter of fact, they, they knew some farmers from Wisconsin that went to our pastor's brother-in-law's church and, and uh, right near Door County, Wisconsin, in the thumb. And, uh, and uh, they knew who they were and all of those things. We were talking, and he said, he said the United States buys from Canada 14,000 tons of cherry every year. And he said, we produce 10 of the 14,000 tons that they buy. It was an amazing operation. And you walk out their front door and you could see right across the street from them, you could see the processing plant there where they would take the, the containers. And it was, it was an amazing process. And it, just acre after acre, hundreds and hundreds. I don't, I don't even know how many acres that they had of these cherry trees. As a matter of fact, they also had an apple orchard in the middle of that as well. And they did peaches and, and I think even some nectarines. Uh, once in a while, they did those as well. And, and uh, it was an amazing process. And what would happen is they would go out to those uh, cherry trees and they had kind of these, um, man, four, not four-wheelers, uh, kind of bobcat type, you know, uh, back hose. And what they would do is they have this little device and it looks like a V and they would come up to the tree and they would put that thing on that tree and it would, it would, it would stick like this and then it would just vibrate. And have you ever seen that before? Anybody ever saw that? Okay. It would, and, and what happened, it would, it would pull up like this and go, and then a little, I don't know, a basket, uh, blanket type thing would come out and and then it would go and it would shake and vibrate that tree. And then those cherries that were ripened, they would fall off of that tree. And you can only do that once a year because it would, it would like traumatize the tree. And uh, we can't have that because we don't have enough tree psychologists out there. But... Uh, <laughs> It, it would traumatize the tree, and so you can only do it once a year. And then, you know, because it just disturbs the natural process of the tree. And, and, um, and then they would catch all of those cherries, and then they would put, it would filter down into a, a funnel down into a bin there, and then they would fill that bin up as much as they could, and, and, uh, and then they would go to, and they would never pick anything else off of there. And that was the only thing they would do. And then they would take that bin to that processing plant and they would stack it on top of the other bins. And the process of it, my, my kids were able to see that it was fascinating. And I, and I love stuff like that and seeing how these things are made. And, and they would put it through this conveyor belt and they would, it would rotate the cherries or vibrate and whatever it do. And, and the stems would come off and it could do it and it could pit them this way. It was just amazing process. But of course, the Bible is an agricultural book. And so I started asking my friend here, who was also a Sunday school teacher, I said, what, what can you share with me about these cherries that 
that maybe I never thought of or, or something biblically that would, and I always, I try to ask everyone that if they're in a certain field and like science and, or phlebotomy, maybe something about the blood and, and uh, even this morning's message, you'll, you'll see what I mean about asking. I'm always asking, I'm fascinated with these things. I began to ask him, and, and they were kind of a blessing to their church because the ladies would then come through with their own little baskets, and they could literally pick as many cherries as they wanted to, the ladies of the church, because as long as they didn't you know, vibrate the tree again, it was fine, and they would just come and afterwards, and they would just kind of pick through and, and be able to. They, they had cherries coming out of their ears, sometimes literally, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. But I said, I said uh, Brother, brother uh, Vogel was his last name, and I said, I said brother, brother Ray, I said, can you teach me something about this that, that, would, that would help me with the scriptures? He said, oh, I got a great truth for you. He said, you remember John 15 where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he said, Brother Allen, he said, I want to teach you something about uh, these cherry trees. He said, if you've ever seen a cherry tree, they kind of they grow out this way. The branches kind of go straight out within reason, and they're a little bit crooked, but, but they don't grow up like this. They grow up almost straight out like this, and they're, they're kind of wavy like that. And, and he said, what will happen is those branches are, are going out there, and they will receive from that root, from the trunk of that tree, from that vine, if you will, he said they're receiving nutrients out on the limbs. But he said every once in a while something will happen and that main tree will grow up. But he said every once in a while something will grow up or out of that tree and it will start to grow straight up. And it will start connecting them. We're not supposed to be connected. And he said what will happen is uh, that that tree is almost like something is rising up in competition to the main branch. And he said if anything rises up in competition and it starts growing towards that, he said that tree will die that fast. And he said, Brother Allen, just like Jesus told us to abide in him, he said my cherries have to abide in that, those branches and those trees. And can I tell you this morning? It's so easy and so often in our hearts that something begins to rise up and begins to threaten our abiding in the branch. It could be money. It could be the cares of this world. It could be uh, some uh, man. It could be some woman. It, it could be some sin or habit that's in our lives. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be complacency and apathy. But every once in a while, something will rise up into our hearts and began to draw nutrients that we should have been getting from the Bible and from preaching. You know how it is. You go on your knees to pray, and what happens? You start thinking about everything except for prayer. Or if you're like some of my friends, you start to go. All of a sudden, you get tired when you start to pray. You go to read your Bible, and everything goes wrong in the house, doesn't it? You go to a camp somewhere and somebody's preaching the word of God and God begins to challenge you and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're thinking about something else or something, some fight happens. I, I have seen this, some of the craziest things at camp you could ever imagine. There's one particular message I may preach this week and, and almost every time I've preached this particular message, something crazy happens. I was at a camp one time and I preached the message and, and I was going into the message and I told him, I said, just be ready. I was like, something crazy is going to happen during this message. There's, there, and, and, and sure enough, during the middle of my message, there was a long driveway out, to the, out the camp and the, camp, the chapel was here and uh, out this way, there was a little hill and you went down to the hill, the ball fields over here and then you go follow it out to the main road at, at, by the camp there. And two car loads 
full of I don't know what. Started driving with their music blaring. As I was telling the people, something crazy is going to happen during this message. Two carloads full of punks started blaring rap, rock, whatever they were playing there, and they started making their way up to the chapel. And, uh, and I talked to the people about that, and I, I had no idea that that had happened at all. I just knew I was warning them about what had happened. And then they may, almost made their way all the way up to that chapel, and out of nowhere, a police car just happened to show up and kicked them off of the campground. The next morning, they actually told me what had happened. And I've, had, I've, had, I've been in places where trains will go off, alarms will go off. Somebody, I've, had, I've had it where people throw up in the middle of this particular message that I've preached. And, and, uh, but you know how it is. You, you start to do something for the Lord, and, and you start to go to church. And maybe you hadn't been in church in a while, and all of a sudden that phone starts to go off. Or Saturday night something happens. Or Sunday morning you were planning on doing that, and all of a sudden something happens. What is it? It is, it is something that is rising up in our hearts and in our minds and our lives that is coming up against in contention to us abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, if there's any hope for you, if there's any hope for me, we have to learn what it is to abide in Jesus Christ. We were, I was actually at camp this June and I was talking a little bit about this message and helping the kids be firm in the decisions that they made. And I said, I said, all these trees, we were in a tabernacle and they had they had windows around the tabernacle that was enclosed. And I said, all these trees here on this property, and there were some monster trees. And I said, all these trees have stood the test of time. And the storms have blown in against these trees, and they have stood because their root was in the right place. Their roots are going out. Many of us don't realize this, but as many times as far as the tree is above the ground, it's almost that deep below the ground. And if they will stay rooted, in other words, if they will abide in the soil, they have got help from the storm. And then I said this. I said, listen to me, young people. I said, when you go home from camp, here's what's going to happen. I said, the storms are going to come and the winds are going to blow. And when I said that, every phone in that room went off immediately for a tornado warning. And I got goosebumps. I'm like, whoa, man. I mean, literally, I said, the storms are going to come. The winds are going to blow. Beep, beep, beep. And everybody looked like, he's a prophet. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, don't you mess with me. <laughs> I will pray up a tornado in this place right now. But you know how those trees have stood the test of time? They've remained rooted and grounded. If we have ever needed rooted Christians, we need them now. And some of us, sadly, we are like those verses. We are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. God help us. We, we, we've got doctrines coming along in our independent Baptist churches today that I'm thinking we have people being carried away by the silliness of these false doctrines. But most of it happens because we are not rooted in the word of God and rooted in Christ. Can I tell you, if, you, if you are rooted in Christ, it doesn't matter who comes and goes in this church. You're going you're to be all right. Teenager, it doesn't matter whether the friend next to you or whether your family or whether your older brother or sister follows Christ or not. If you personally are rooted in Christ, you're going to stay on that solid rock. 
and the storms are going to come and the winds are going to blow. Just like uh, Matthew chapter 7 at the end of that chapter there, the wise man, he built his house upon the rock, but the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And guess what? All lies, uh, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. They go through the same problems we do. They have the same heartaches that we do. They have the same concerns we go through. But I'm telling you today, the difference between you and the difference between them ought to be you are rooted and anchored and built up in Jesus Christ. When I look at a tree, I say this. We look at it, and of course, this passage deals with fruit. And my, the Lord desires for you to produce fruit in your life. God's plan for your life is not just to save you so you can look like that Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I mean, I don't know about the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, and uh, that was the most horrible looking thing you've ever seen in your life. And uh, no, there's supposed to be fruit on there. There's supposed to be that evergreen tree on there. We all expect something to be on that tree. And can I tell you this morning, God expects something to be on your tree. And his desire for you is fruitfulness in the Christian life. It's not that you're flashy. It's not that you're famous. But he does desire for you to be fruitful. But he knows that you will not be fruitful. You're not going to produce what you ought to be producing as a Christian if you are not abiding in the vine, which is Jesus Christ. But can I say to you this morning, if you get nothing else, get this. Fruit is an outward result of an inner work. Fruit is an outward result of an inner working in your heart and life. If you're going to make, we had, a, we had a pear tree in our backyard when we first moved at our previous house before the one we live in now. And uh, we had a pear tree there and, and I hated the thing because I'm allergic to bees. And when those pears would fall to the ground, they turn into like straight sugar. And it, it, it's, I'm talking about it is, it is the most sugary fruit. I don't know if there's one that's worse than them, but whenever they'd fall to the ground, there'd be like a thousand wasps in my backyard. And you should have saw me. I, I'm like, we should have probably video recorded this of me running from my back door to get to my garage. I mean, it had to be one of the most comical things people ever seen in their life. And I'm paranoid. I'm something's on my shoulder and all this kind of stuff. And but if it, listen, pears didn't come because there was some floating branch in the air that just produced pears. No, there was an inner work inside of that tree. There was, there was sap and there was all those things there that was pulling nutrients from the ground. Everything that, was, everything that was produced that we could see was produced by something that we could not see. And I tell you, in your Christian life, many of you, you like the results. You look at a good, you look at a solid Christian in your life and you look at maybe the pastor or you maybe look at somebody who comes here as a guest speaker or somebody who's grown in the Lord and you say, man, they just seem like their life is just one thing after another. They're just living for God, praising the Lord and they seem like they don't have any problems. No, it's not that we don't have any problems. It's not that we don't fail or falter or have the same struggles that you have, but the difference might be there abiding in Christ and you're not. The difference is a lot of times the things which you cannot see and that you do not do because they're not flashy and they're not going to produce and they're going to make you famous, but they're going to make you holy and righteous. We neglect those things which are not seen a lot of times and then we wonder why we don't have the things that are seen. Well, Alan, I sure would, I sure would love to have a happy home. 
I sure would love for my marriage to be a successful marriage. Like their marriage seems fruitful and man, it's producing love and joy and the fruit of the spirit are there and peace and happiness and all these things are in their house. Why can't that be my house? They might be doing some things that you're not willing to do when nobody's watching. They might be cutting out some things while nobody's watching that you're not cutting out while you're not watching, while somebody's not watching you. You know, you, if you're like me, and of course I grew up in single mother home, and, and uh, my mother was old school to the core. And we get in the grocery store a lot of times, and of course, you know, we got the speech before you ever got there. Don't touch nothing. Don't even look at nothing. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> and, uh, and I believed her, trust me, <laughs> and she would have too. But my behavior inside of the store was dictated by what she did before we ever got into the store. God, and I don't know who has kids in here right now, but, but the, <laughs> waved at me in the back, all right. <laughs> but I don't know who has kids in here right now, but watch this. Some of us, and this is, this is not a, a, a you know, family seminar here, but some of you are embarrassed by your kids in public and the things that they do or don't do. But it's because when, when, when we don't see, that's how you handle them at home. If you let them tear your home apart, guess what? When you get to the grocery store, they're probably going to do the same thing. And so we discipline them when people cannot see that, if, that we might have the results when people do see. And we, listen, we, we, we're so much in this social media generation, we want everything to look pretty, although everything's falling apart on the inside. We want our marriage to look like, one of my favorite things about, so I'm trying to get to my lesson here this morning. Y'all are distracting me. <laughs> you know, social media. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the most entertaining thing sometimes that we've ever seen. Why? We got these, this couple, they, they fall in love. Just love him so much. Hashtag in love forever. And I'm like, maybe I ought to slow it down. Oh no, he's he's my everything. He's my entire world. And I'm like, well, he's your fifth boyfriend this year. <laughs> you know, it's like, are you trying to build a solar system? I mean, how many how many worlds do you need? And then here's what happens: they, they they're in love for like two weeks. I mean, their profile pictures are of each other. I mean, they, everything is common. It's, it's wonderful. It's great. Uh, they're all wrapped up in them. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, bam. He's not in any picture anymore. She's not in any picture anymore. Hashtag, I'm going through the valley. <laughs> and, uh, and then you're like, hold up here. And if you're like me, I'm like, I need some closure on this relationship. We saw this thing come together. We saw it at its peak. I want to know what happened. I need some breakup news. You see couples and they go, go through some struggle and something like this. I can always tell when somebody's about to get a divorce on Facebook. You say, how do you know that? Because she switches her name to her first name and middle name. That's just how it happens. You know, uh, you know uh, Bonnie Johnson. And then all of a sudden it goes to Bonnie Marie. And I'm like, yeah, they're about to get a divorce. Do you, know, you know why? And I'm not making fun of divorce. I'm just saying it's often the couples that are all over each other in public, though. You know why? 
because we would rather look like we're a good tree than actually have a strong root that's going to produce strong, healthy fruit. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have, listen, if you're going to have any hope of revival at all, it's going to be you doing things people cannot see. It's going to be in the deep places of your heart that nobody else is going to be able to tell that it happened until the fruit begins to be produced. And I'm telling you, many of our marriages and many of our child rearing, because we are not anchored in Christ, because we are not, when we're at home, what are we? When we're alone, nobody can see us, what are we? And listen, I don't speak as somebody who's perfect here tonight, uh, but I'm telling you uh, this morning, I'm telling you today, we've got to have a generation of Christians that when nobody sees us, when nobody's watching us, when we're at home on our way home from work, uh, and that lady who's dressed like that, when in that moment right there, we've got to be able to look away. When nobody knows if we take that money right there, We've got to have enough integrity and be rooted in Christ enough to say, I'm not going to do that. When you young people, when there's an opportunity to cheat on that test somewhere, we've got to have enough root in Christ to be able to say, listen, I, that's not the fruit. I don't want to be to produce the fruit of a liar. I don't want to be able to produce the fruit of a cheat. I want to be somebody that's faithful. And if I'm going to be faithful, I have to anchor myself in Jesus Christ. Because that which is produced, which is fruit, is going to be produced because of things that people cannot see. You know how this building is standing here? Man, I've got to hurry. But you know how this building is able to stand up here and we're able to trust this building? Because there are things inside of these walls. We call it framing. We call it structural integrity. You know, I'm afraid today, Pastor, I'm afraid that many of our Christians have no structural integrity. Because we're run and root in everything else except for Jesus Christ. And here's what you're going to say someday. Well, I tried that church thing and it didn't work. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. What you tried to do is build a building with no frame. What you tried to do was slap some drywall up and there's nothing behind you. And listen, don't say you tried Jesus Christ and nothing happened. Listen, did you really get anchored in Christ? Did you really drive your roots down deep and attach to him and allow him to flow through you? Many people in our Christian life, they want the fruit of the spirit, and want, but they want to live disconnected from Christ. Or here's what we do. We come Sunday morning and we get hooked up for a little while. And then Sunday after service, here's what we do. We disconnect. We live our life any way that we want to. We act any way that we want to. We read anything we want to. We listen to anything we want to. We hang around who we want to. And we wonder why there's no fruit in our lives. And then we get frustrated and say, oh, the tree must not be working. No, the tree is fine. You're rooted in this. I just created that word. And uh, your rootedness in that tree is what is in question. Christ will always work. Christ will always produce fruit. Christ will always be anchored in the Father, and we ought to be anchored in Christ. Here's what happens. Here we go. i got to get to the message here today. There's some things that are, if we are in Christ in the Bible, that God promises us. Very quickly, uh, the Bible says we have redemption in Christ. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, we are redeemed from the curse of Adam in Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8, 2, in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 12, 5, we are one body of believers in Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 10 says we are fools yet wise in Christ. 
1 Corinthians 15, 22 says we are made alive in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, thanks be unto God, which causes us always to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe the reason why some of us are getting our teeth kicked in spiritually is because we're not in Christ and abiding in him. And I know what you're saying. Well, I'll just try harder. You can try harder all you want to. You, listen, I can cut off a branch all I want to and scream at it and yell at it and demand things of it on the ground. But unless we put that branch on that tree, it will never produce fruit. And some of you can try and try and try and try. But I'm going to tell you, unless you get back to the rudimentary, basic necessity of abiding in Christ, you will not produce fruit in your life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, guess what happens? He is a new creature. Well, I need to turn over a new leaf. No, what you need is a new tree. And I've met people all over the world that said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn over a new leaf. And they give this weak salvation testimony uh, like Deion Sanders. You know, I saw a bright light in the night and, and that, I saw a cross over there shining. And so now I'm saved. Listen, you're no more saved than the man on the moon is saved. You do not get saved until you are in Christ. And when you are in Christ, he does not turn over a new leaf. He puts you in an entirely new tree. And all of a sudden, pouring out of you, you have new things. You got new desires. You got new cravings. You got a new name. You got new desires. You got a new destination in your life in Christ. Philippians 3.14, we are called of God in Christ. And thing after thing after thing in Christ. Watch from Romans 15. Here's what happens. We abide in Christ. He said, I want you to abide in me. Well, look at verse number five. We touched on it already. Verse number five, here's six things that happens for those rooted in Christ. Number one, there's fruit. There's fruit produced. Verse number five, he said this. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do what? Nothing. So without me, ye can do what? So can we have revival without him? Can we have a good marriage without him? Can we raise a good family without him? Can we worship without him? The Bible says in him we live and in him we breathe and in him we have our being. Listen to me tonight. You say, well, I can't do some of those things. Yeah, you could, you could kind of put up a facade about it, but I'm going to tell you, if your life is going to be solid, if you are going to produce true spiritual fruit, we have to get back to the simplicity of abiding in Christ. That is what is going to produce the fruit that you need. Can I tell you, parents, something? What is going to produce the right fruit in your kids is not you counseling them necessarily. It's not you having a good education for them. What is going to produce spiritual fruit in them is for you to get them connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that doesn't always mean, many of us think it means sending them to a Christian school. Listen, I've met a bunch of Christian school kids that were not rooted in Jesus Christ. And I've met some public school kids that were absolutely rooted in Christ. I'm praying for a young man. He actually lives in the city here. I didn't realize he lived in the city here. But he was led to Christ. I was talking to him with the pastor, uh, uh, texting with him back and forth while I was with the pastor. And I said, where are you at? I said, I'm in Washington. Where are you at? He's like, I said, I'm preaching in Puyallup. And he's like, I live in Puyallup. And he's in the military. And, but he was led to Christ by one of our teenagers who family couldn't afford to send her to the Christian school one year and sent her to the public school. But she was a soul winner, and she led this boy to Christ. And he ended up going to Bible college for a few years and getting grounded in the faith. And then he joined the military. But I'm telling you this morning, because she was, even though she was in a public school, she was rooted in Christ. 
I'm going to tell you, adults, what will help our children to get our children connected to Christ. Not connected just to us. Not just connected to the pastor or some youth director that may be there, some youth worker or some camp somewhere. What our children need is Jesus Christ. Because that is what's going to make them a good... Yesterday, my son was cornering some, uh, one of his classmates joined my jiu-jitsu school. And, um, and he was cornering him at the tournament there. And uh, Southern Indiana there, or Southern uh, Wisconsin there. And my business partner, who's not independent Baptist, he's nominally a Christian. He showed me a picture of my son had his hands, uh, uh, Morgan had his hands on my son's shoulder, and my son was standing there. And he, he said, he said, he said, he said, Calvin, he said, you did a, you, you, you did a good job. He said, your son just prayed over his uh, his fellow classmate here and fellow jiu-jitsu students, he said in front of God and everybody, they just prayed together before his matches. It didn't help him fight any better. But <laughs> you know what that tells me, Brother Reno? Somewhere along the way, my son's gotten rooted in Christ. Daddy wasn't around. Mama wasn't around. Youth pastor wasn't around. Half of the crowd there is a bunch of God cussing, you know, tattooed up freaks. But here he is in the middle of all of it being able to say, you know, that's the kind of fruit I want in my kids' lives. And listen, he may, he may, he may end up selling drugs tomorrow, but, but I'm just saying, that's, as a parent, wouldn't you like that for your children? Wouldn't you like that fruit of, of that life lived and say, man, my kids, they know what it's like that when they're away from me. Listen, because they may get away from you, but they can't get away from Christ. And if they are rooted in him, what's going to happen is there's going to be fruit that comes out of their lives. Wouldn't you love it for your wife to say, honey, I don't know, but I was praying for you today and God put you on my heart. And, and listen, every man would love to have a message from his wife and say, hey, let me show you what I got from the Bible here. Let me tell you what God did in my heart this week. Let me tell you what God did in the revival in my heart. Every one of us wants that fruit, but we've got to get to Christ. We've got to make him our all in all. Fruit is produced according to verse number five. According to verse number seven, we have answers to prayer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Isn't it amazing? We'll just cut right to it this morning because I got negative one minute right now. Watch this. The more you abide in Christ, I'll stop after this point. The more you abide in Christ, here's what's going to happen the more he's going to answer your prayers. Does that mean God is your little genie? And you just rub the bottle a little bit and you say, hey, get over here and do what I want to do. No, here's what happens. The Bible says, commit thy thoughts, ways unto the Lord and thy thoughts will be established. And then it goes on to say, he will give you the desires of your heart. But it starts with, We've got to commit our ways. When you will abide in Christ, here's what starts to happen. What he wants starts to become what you want. And when you, what you want and what he wants matches, all of a sudden your prayer life goes from anemic to robust. This is why Jesus, you remember he's in the Garden of Gethsemane? And I, I was so awesome. Your pastor got to go there. And, and that was, we both said the most powerful part of the entire trip for me was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matter of fact, if you were to look in my Bible right now in Matthew chapter 26, there is, a, there is an olive 
leaf in my Bible right now, I stole, and uh, in, in my Bible from the Garden of Gethsemane. Powerful. My phone screensaver right now, if you were to look at my phone, wherever it is, and um, it's me sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Somebody snapped a picture of that and sent it to me. The most powerful thing about it was when Jesus came to the conclusion and he said, let this cup pass from me. See, the, the, the human part of him said, let this cup pass from me. The God part of him said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What was Jesus? He was showing us the example that he said, the father is the husbandman. Isn't it amazing? He said the father is the husbandman, and here he is in an agricultural setting in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying the father's trying to prune some things out of my life. And I'm going to surrender to that. And all of a sudden, the Lord's prayer begins to change. It's no longer, I don't want to do this, and I know what I'm going to have to go through. It then became, okay, I'm willing. And when you are abiding, this is why he said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. This is why Jesus said, it's according to your will. That's what I want to be done. And can I tell you, you are a strong Christian when you can get to the place, when you are so rooted in Christ that your prayers are stop being telling God what to do and how to do it. And when you make that switch and say, God, I'm done making my request. I don't have, it's like the branch telling the trunk of the tree to do something. No, it just abides. And it just says, hey, whatever you want to send me, whatever you want to give me, that's what I want. That's a very mature Christianity. God, I want you to take this away from me. Maybe he needs you to have that right now. And when you get to that point, you can say, okay, not my will, but thy will be done. But it happens when a Christian finally decides, I am not rooted. Listen, if, my, if the pastor of my church left today, do you know where I'm going to be next Sunday? You got it, brother. I'm going to be in church. If my wife walked out today, and said, we're done, I'm not going to church anymore. Guess what I'm going to do next Sunday? I'm going to put on my, yeah, we got a smart crowd, don't we? I'm going to church. If every evangelist friend I have quits, I'm still going to preach. Because I'm not rooted in them. Young person, who are you rooted in? Well, I'll tell you, that, that youth pastor, he made me mad. I'm not rooted in them. That false doctrine. What about that? I, I'm not rooted in them. I want to be rooted in Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I pray that this week, as a result of this revival, that you would not help these people to be rooted in me. God, help them if they think they need to be rooted in me. We need to be rooted in you. Make us more like you. Help us to surrender to you. And there's going to be fruit that's produced in our life. There's answers to prayer. There's love that, like you loving. There's obedience in that chapter. There's true joy. There's true friendship in this, all in chapter 15. And it just comes from anchoring in you. Help us, Father, this morning. Pray that you bless the choir and everyone of those sing and give us tender hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.